You guys need Bibles? That really wasn't a question. It was more of a statement. Sometimes I think, no, we need to speak with our punctuation. You need Bibles, exclamation point. So, um, Nikki and I had just gotten married, uh, and we were living at 300 East 21st Street in Sioux Falls in this um, terrible apartment. All sorts of crazy things um, went down in that, that apartment building, um, including her losing her precious Tommy Hilfinger jacket, uh, down jacket, that our cat had peed on. Um, because I locked the cat out of the bathroom where its litter box was, because I'd never had a cat before. So then the, the coat smelled like cat urine, which if you've ever smelled that. So I set it out in the hallway, and then that night, her coat got stolen. <laughs> really great spot. Um, so I had gone to a store a ways away from our house, and I used to have this amazing uh, car, Goldie, uh, that every once in a while would find herself um, locked with the keys in the car. And so the apartment was locked, and my keys were locked in the car, and so I had a dilemma. I had to either decide if I was going to pay to have the keys unlocked from my vehicle, or I was going to go back and break into our apartment and, um, and then just pay the security deposit for my break-in. I opted for breaking into my apartment because it was summertime and the windows were open. I thought, all I'll do is I'll break the screen, which minimal cost versus paying to get into my car, which probably would have been about $75. So I go back, um, and we were on like, not the second story, but like the one and a half story. So it was like a split level apartment. We were on like the half floor. And so I went and got a garbage can. And I put it over by our bedroom door, or our bedroom window. I climbed up on the garbage can. This is in the middle of the day, mind you. I slit open the screen. I break into our apartment, fully expecting a neighbor to be like, hey, what are you doing? Um, I live here. Or maybe the police to show up. Nothing happened. I'm like, oh my word, we live in such a janky apartment that people can literally break in in the middle of the day. They could have stolen all of our things, including uh, Reuben, our cat, Moses, our rabbit, my PlayStation 2. That was pretty much the extent of our valuables (laughs) at the time. Have you ever had to break into your house? See, um... Our house that we currently own, um, we actually have a problem. I shouldn't be saying this with my insurance person here, um, but we don't actually have a key to our house, which if you don't have a key to your house, you can't ever lock your house. So our house is basically open all the time. Because if you really want something, you'll break in anyways, and I'd rather you not break in, just come in and take whatever you want. Uh, So here we are in Mark chapter 2, talking about another break-in. Mark chapter 2, verse 1, and when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home, which is an interesting question to scratch our heads because he wasn't Um, It wasn't his house, but he was at home, meaning in a home. 
And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And when he was preaching the word to them, and they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, naturally. And when they had made an opening, they let down on the bed uh, on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, take up your bed, and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. And all the grammar teachers moaned. So this guy, Jesus is teaching all these people, they're together in this house, and I mean, just imagine that scene of, like, you go to all this work, bringing your buddy to see Jesus, no room, sorry, no, you can't get in, and so they're like, they have the one friend, we all have that one friend that's like, I have an idea. You know that one friend? That's me. Let's cut a hole in the roof, naturally. Like, we can break into this place, let's just go ahead and cut a hole in the roof. Um, the, The... curious thing is they weren't planning on cutting a hole in the roof so how did they like you know it's the one guy again that's like oh yeah i got a saw in my back pocket it's like me you're like oh i could really use a chainsaw oh i got one in my truck really yeah just in case and a stick of butter i mean you never know right But can you imagine if you had friends that went to this length? Why do I have butter in my truck? That's another conversation for another time. His friends go to this great effort because they know that Jesus can provide the healing that this individual needs. And so you go to all this work, you get your buddy down, like into the room where Jesus is, and you're like, all right, Jesus is going to heal him. And what does Jesus do? Your sins are forgiven. You're like, no! No! Heal the guy! Your sins are forgiven. Not what we were looking for. We want him to be able to walk. And these uh, know-it-alls, which we know a few of those as well, notice they're not friends, these scribes. They are questioning in their heart, why does this man speak like that? Because for them, God is the only person who can forgive sins. And so it's this interesting exchange of the guys don't get what they think they want or what they think they need for their friend, and the scribes aren't like, um, wait, why'd they just cut a hole in the roof? The scribes are concerned because Jesus makes a declaration for the forgiveness of this guy's sins. And Jesus, perceiving what they said, says, okay, what's easier, for me to forgive his sins or to make this guy walk? And it's an interesting question because for people in in this time, 
The big thing was if you had an ailment, it was because of your sin or your parents' sin. And so what Jesus is doing is he's going against this belief that if you have something that's wrong with you, it has nothing to do with your sin or your parents' sin. So this guy isn't paralyzed because something that he or his parents have done. But what Jesus knows is his most important thing that he needs is to be forgiven of his sins. And all the while they're like, ah, but really what he needs is to walk. And Jesus is like, no, what he needs is to be forgiven of his sins because that is the most important thing. And how do we get forgiveness? Clearly, Jesus says, it is by your faith. This man is healed because of the faith of himself and his friends, and his sins are forgiven because of his faith. Like, that's it? It's that easy? Just say, Jesus, I want you to forgive me of my sins. And he's like, yep, done. Well, it's got to be harder than that. Uh, Nope. It's kind of like this. Uh, Everyone's like, oh, making cake is really hard. It's not hard. You can actually make a cake from scratch faster than your oven will preheat. You're like, no, you can't. I just did. Right now. See, it's done. Not that good. No, earlier, before I came, you're like, why didn't you bring the cake? Because it's not for you. Right? Things that we think are so difficult, we think, oh, in order to be forgiven of my sins, I have to do this, and then this, and then this, and then this. And Jesus says, no, in order to be forgiven of your sins, all you have to do is say, Jesus, will you forgive me of my sins? And he says, yes. It's that repentance thing that we've been talking about. But Jesus goes a step further because he wants this man to be fully restored. And so he says, go ahead, get up and walk. And there's that word again, immediately. And he rose immediately, picked up his bed, and went out before them all. Don't you think Jesus was like, wait, aren't you going to hang around? He's like healed, and he walks out the door like, thanks, that's why I came. I'll see you later. No? Sometimes. Which creates an interesting question for us is when we pray for something and then Jesus doesn't heal it or doesn't answer the prayer, how do we wrestle with that? He went out again beside the sea, verse 13, and all the crowd was coming to him and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as he reclined at table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus after his disciples and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, Why do, does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And then Jesus heard it. He said to them, And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I came not to call the righteous, 
but sinners. So I don't think I've told the story in here. I know I've told it in, with the adults. Uh, but when I lived in New Mexico in the fall time, we played, they played softball. You're like, why would they play softball in the fall? Well, in New Mexico, it's blazing hot in the summertime, and basically all you want to do is either be in the shade, be inside, or be in water. And so they were starting this softball league, and this guy who ran the uh, swimming pool, the local swimming pool, was like, hey, you guys want to play softball? And me and this other guy were like, yeah, we don't have anything else to do. And so we joined the softball team. And um, I was also coaching uh, at the junior high football, and, and uh, one day at uh, the softball game, some of my uh, junior high parents, uh, kids' parents, went to one of the other coaches and said, uh, a Carl, guy I coached with, Carl Ashbaugh, which is a great name, by the way. Uh, that is his actual name. Uh, Carl, isn't that the guy who, who coaches our kids after school? Carl's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Carl, um, what's he doing playing with those guys? Carl's like, uh, I don't know. Like, Carl, should he be coaching our kids? Carl says, um, yeah, he runs the Christian camp out at the lake. And they're like, Carl, does he know about these guys? Carl says, uh, I don't know, but I'll let him know. Apparently, I was hanging out with all the drug dealers. <laughs> like the hardcore, like not like the small-time drug dealers, but like smuggling drugs in from Mexico drug dealers. And I was like, um, okay, Carl, um, maybe you could have given me a heads up. He's like, yeah, I figured you were good. I'm like, yeah, but I could have been arrested. Yeah, you were fine. As long as you brought your $1.50 to pay the ump, you were fine. The first tip to me, or the first clue, was almost every single game, there was a fist fight in our dugout. See, the challenging thing is, Jesus calls Levi this tax collector, to which we're all kind of like, tax collector, big deal. Um, tax collector, big deal. Tax collector, not nice guy in the time of Jesus. And, and no one would have liked the tax collectors. Like, if you could pick the worst job to be, um, it would probably be a tax collector. And so Jesus now is hanging out with these perceived lowly people, the tax collectors and the sinners. And it presents an interesting challenge for us because um, we're like, we've had that conversation with our parents, right? I don't want you hanging out with that kid. And, and I'm sure many of you have said, well, 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 mom or dad or parent, you realize that Jesus, he hung out with the tax collectors and sinners? Have you used that yet? Don't. First of all, you're not Jesus. Second of all, you're not Jesus. Okay? But it, it brings up this question of who do we spend our time with, and who we spend our time with is who we get associated with, and if there is a problem, we get naturally lumped into that group of people. Because... Even if we aren't the ones doing the things, we can very easily be drugged into doing the things or be in trouble for doing the things that the other people that we're doing are 
doing, the other people we're hanging out with are doing. And so we wrestle with this, who are we spending our time with, and how is that reflecting on us? Because we're called to be, be kind to people and bring the gospel to them, the good news, but we're also to be responsible with who we hang out with, because who we hang out with uh, really starts to shape who we are. And that's part of the really cool thing about this youth leadership team is we get to spend more time with solid, quality people, followers of Jesus Christ who come here to Timberwood Church, and we get to understand what it means to be a friend and how to grow in Christ and how do we get through and navigate this thing called middle school and high school. Because I had friends that my mom was like, Cody Delosier, can't hang out with him. John Carlson, can't hang out with him. I could just go down the list. And I look back now and I'm like, my mom was actually spot on. (laughs) So how do we wrestle with who we spend time with and who we are associated with? Because it's very easy to say, well, I'm sorry, but I don't sit with those people at lunch because they're a tax collector or sinner. No, you don't sit with those people at lunch because you're being rude. Because we're supposed to associate with all people and love all people. And here, we don't want to be afraid of someone, the Pharisees and the scribes of our lunchroom being like, I can't believe you were sitting with so-and-so at lunch. You're like, well, I just thought it'd be nice. Oh, great. And Jesus gives us this teaching, this monumental statement, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners. And Jesus starts to let us know that what he is trying to do is acknowledge that he is here for us. Like, wait, you just called me a tax collector, a sinner? Yeah. Because we are all sinners, and we are all sick, and we are all in need of who Jesus is, a Savior. You guys think about that last song we just sang, and it says that, that Jesus leaves the 99 to come after us. And as we were singing that, I was like, I mean, just think about that for like, 30 seconds that Jesus leaves everyone else because he wants to come and to rescue us. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees uh, were fasting and people came and said to him, why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and and then they will fast in that day. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the patch tears away from it, the new from the old, and a worse tear is made. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and the wine is destroyed and so are the skins, but new wine is for fresh wineskins. We're like, okay, wait, are we having a home ac lesson, or what are we doing here, okay? Like, 
I, I don't patch my clothes. I actually buy my clothes ripped. <laughs> You're like, yeah, because I'm visco like that. <laughs> ooh, ooh. Um, on that note, um, so Jesus is questioned about why his people aren't fasting, and the whole idea is that that they're fasting out of this peculiar obedience. And Jesus is like, why would my people fast? Fasting is not fun. Fasting is this act of mourning. And so I'm here. So my people are going to fast when I'm not here. But while I'm here, the bridegroom, we're going to celebrate. And then he gives this very peculiar teaching or parable on this old clothes, new patch, old wine skin, new wine. And basically what he is saying is you don't take the old teaching of the Pharisees and put it with the new teaching of Jesus. The two don't really go together. You don't take what the Pharisees have been teaching and then couple it with what Jesus is teaching. Because it doesn't work at all like Flex Seal, and your boat is going to sink. Right? I mean, Flex Seal is like the magic of all magics. You just like put it on the screen, and you can, you know, do whatever you want with it. And so Jesus lays down this truth if you're going to follow me, you're going to be new, and you're going to be made new because the old way isn't going to work. And it's interesting because he starts to lay things out for us that will come back to you at a later date. I want to take one second and say something. You're like, Eric, you've been saying things for 20 minutes. Fair enough. What I want to say is that if you guys or gals find yourself, because you're about to go to your small group time, If you find yourself feeling awkward, not like I'm awkward and you're awkward and so we're awkward together, but you find yourself like not feeling like what is happening is okay, then come talk to me. Come talk to Chris. Come talk to Aiden. Because your leaders are awesome people, okay, but they're not above the law if you know what I mean. Likewise, okay, if what you're experiencing on a Wednesday night is not a safe space because somebody has said something to you or done something to you that you're like, oh, I don't know how to handle this, come talk to me because we'll make it right. Trust me, we will make it right. All right? Some of you are like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Okay, fair enough. What I want you to know is that you are all in a safe place where you're all welcome. And if you have friends that you want to invite, they'll be welcome too. And if you don't feel welcome for one reason or another, then I want to fix that situation. Okay? You're like, oh, that was kind of deep, heavy. (laughs) Hey, sometimes you got to do things. All right, let's pray. 
Father God, we come on this night, and it is a night when we get to look at your scripture and we get to sing of your truth and sing of who you are and think about how you desire to seek us out. You will leave the 99 and come after us. You say that you have come so that we may have forgiveness of our sins, that we may be healed of the brokenness that exists in our lives. That you have come to be with these people who are seemingly the rejects, the tax collectors and sinners, the us's. And that's just mind-boggling. And so tonight, we thank you for that. We thank you for this safe place that where we can come and we can hear your word and we can be who we are because you love us and you have come for each one of us individually so that we can have a relationship with you, that we can be freed from the entanglement of the sins in our lives, that we can be healed of the brokenness that exists in our lives. May we have friends that bring us to you and may we be friends that bring our friends that are broken to a place where they can come to know you. Be with our discussion time. May it be honoring and glorifying to you as we are led by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.